0: Zanden and
1: Cory Janoff. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. I'm Corey Janoff, joined by a fellow CFP professional, Rochelle Van Der Zanden.
0: Ooh, it's like celebration day. That's
1: right. There we go. <laughs> and today we want to talk about arguably the most important factor in your ability to achieve your long-term financial goals, and that is how much you save. The more you save, the sooner you'll get to where you want to go financially. It's basic math. Um, You you don't need a financial planner to figure that one out. And just your savings rate, it matters a lot. It matters a ton. Um, The the more you save, the more flexibility you'll have, the more cushion you'll have for emergencies. There's so many uh, perks that come with having a high savings rate and living below your means. And I think the idea for this podcast was sparked by a tweet that I saw um, back in August by uh, a gentleman named Brad Barrett at Brad Choose FI. Um, I think it looks like he's the co-host of another financial podcast out there. But uh, he said, if you save 50 plus percent of your income, you can basically screw everything else up and still fall ass backwards into financial independence. (laughs) Savings rate cures nearly everything financially. I thought that was just amazing, funny, but, uh, but so true as well.
0: It's really funny. (laughs) I think that's one of those things where you see it and you're like, well, that just hits home. I think it's also like not most, most people probably can't do that, but still it's shoot for, and obviously like the bottom line is just, you save more and it will be easier to achieve your goals. Just bottom line. So even if it's not 50%, we're going to talk about some other examples and how that can have a really big impact
1: too. Yeah, it just you know allows you to make more mistakes too, like he says. Um, you know you can screw things up and, and recover because you're making up ground quickly with that high savings rate. You know, and, and, you know a couple examples like you mentioned Rochelle, like I have some a number of clients, but you know one that comes to mind, um I, I met very early in my career, they were actually late in their careers, now retired, you know, born in the 30s, depression era, so raised to to live very frugally save a lot every penny counts um you know never worked with a financial advisor before didn't really have much knowledge about investments just you know saved into their 401k and invested in something probably what a friend told them to do uh you know investments weren't really allocated all that well um but they saved a lot you know they saved you know as much as they could of their income again lived very frugally and they're, you know, I think they're in their late 60s. Husband was grinding away at his job, didn't like his job. Um, you know, in one of our earlier meetings, I was like, so how much longer do you plan on working? And he replied, I don't know, until we have enough to retire, I suppose. You know, the idea of not having any more money coming in is scary. <laughs> you know, kind of a side note, I think that is probably one of the biggest um I don't know what the right word for it is, but just, just like emotional <laughs> frights about retiring is just the fear of all right, income is no longer coming in. I have to live on what I have saved up, and it, it really you know is challenging for a lot of people to actually take that leap into retirement because the income stops. But still, these people had more than enough money to you know their money would outlive them, you know well beyond any imaginable lifespan of theirs. I said you, you know you could retire now. You've got more than enough. I mean, your social security checks are going to cover more than your living expenses. You know, like that's how frugal they are. So, uh, and it's just saving a lot, living within your means. You know, it's a formula for success. You have another client that I was working with, uh, I met with recently, still working with them, um, but met with them a couple of weeks ago. And it's like the most boring situation ever. They save a lot um, (sighs) more than they need to. And they're on track for all their financial goals. And they're like, "So, uh, you know, what should we do with this extra money that's coming in? I'm like, whatever you want. You know, do you want to retire sooner? You know, just save more, and then you can get to financial independence sooner. If you want to pay off the mortgage faster, even though it's at like below three percent interest, go for it. Do whatever you want. Spend the money. I don't care. It's up to you. You're on track for all your financial goals because you're saving a lot. So." Uh, again it's boring but most financial success stories are the news sensationalizes the sensationalizes the like oh hit it big on an IPO or you know succeeded with a you know business startup and made it rich but those are the exceptions most people who achieve financial independence just work hard save a healthy amount of their income for their career and, and then they can retire it's simple as that you just got to be patient yeah. and save a lot and you'll get to financial independence
0: I do feel like we also deal with a lot of clients who are very concerned about like their long term financial health because they went through extensive medical training and they feel like they're getting like a late start to the game and they weren't saving like as much as they wanted to when they were in training because it was, you know, a small amount compared to what they're going to be making long term. But sometimes those are the folks that when they were in training, were saving 30% or 35% of their income for retirement. That can be really hard when you're in training. Most of the time it happens when it's like two incomes, shared expenses, all of that kind of stuff. But if you were in a position to save 30 or 35% of your income when you're in training, and then you get into your attending job and you're not, I mean, those people are not the big spenders. Those people are the savers. And when those people are concerned about their their long term financial health, it's like, hey, guys, you've done a great job so far. There's no reason to think that you're not going to continue to do a great job and you're in really good shape. And like, I think the only thing that we have to be really careful about at that point is just making sure we have some proper protections in place, you know, like the disability insurance and life insurance and all that kind of stuff. Like those are the things that could still potentially derail you but you know, they, they tend to be really responsible if they're saving that much too. So I think it's it can be concerning that you're getting late to the game and, and starting to save that larger percentage or that larger dollar amount a little bit late. But if you've already built really good habits, you should be in good shape to achieve your goals.
1: For sure, you know, we've talked before about saving at least 20% of your income for retirement purposes. But, you know, the more you save, the more you live below your means, it, it, so many benefits to it. You know, there's slack in the system. You have flexibility. You can absorb those unexpected expenses without it derailing your financial goals. Um, you, know, you can take on additional expenses as, as they come up that, that you might want to take on. Uh, you can afford to say no to work you don't want to do you know, I, I love, I love that. It's, you know, you uh, I had a friend, you know, not to, I'll, I'll try and keep this PG 13, but uh, he was like, <laughs> you know, he, he's got a decent amount of money. He's like, uh, um, you know, someone was telling me because he was stressed about his job. He's like, I don't quite have fu money yet, but I have don't F with me money. So I can tell people, no, I don't want to do that. And you know, there's not much they can do about it. Cause they know I could walk away and, and go, do something else if i wanted to because i'm you know i've got i've got some money saved up so that's really
0: powerful i mean it's but we've talked about like burnout on this podcast before too and and those are so interrelated like if you have financial security you can avoid burnout in a lot of ways you can you know change jobs and take one that pays less if you want to because it's less stressful and i think there's a lot of people especially in the last year that have thought really hard about that. Because obviously the the last year and a half or so has been really stressful for a lot of people. And if if you've been in a good position financially to take a job that's less stressful, that can be really helpful. Um, Or even just reducing stress at the job that you're in now, like getting to a position where you're not taking call anymore. You're not doing any of the extra stuff. You're doing the bare minimum because you can, because that's plenty um, and that, yeah, that's, that's really powerful.
1: Yeah. Being able to say no is powerful. I think when we interviewed mm-hmm. Jimmy Turner, probably what, almost a couple of years now, by the time this come out, comes out a year and a half ago, um, yeah. it, it, you know, on the subject of, of burnout, um, he, he has what he calls a hell yes policy, unless it, you know, if someone asks him to do something at work, unless it makes them say hell yes. He's not going to do it, you know. He only wants to take on responsibilities and activities that he's excited about. So mm-hmm. being able to save no is is awesome. And on the investment side of things, you know, it don't it means you don't need to have the best returns to achieve your financial goals. And we'll look at some numbers here in a minute. But um, going back to that initial quote, like you can. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the most optimized or efficient. You can screw some things up along the way, make some mistakes, and still ultimately get there. Housing, the the dream house, the doctor house that, that stereotypically doctors want to have, you can afford to buy it when when it comes on the market. You know, Maybe not the first house of your attending job, but, but later on in your career, once you have a nice little uh, nest egg built up, for those of you that want to send your kids to college, you can afford to pay for their college and, and not feel like it's going to you know, hinder your ability to retire one day. So I think it's um, just so much flexibility. You can make mistakes, you can make dumb purchases, frivolous expenses, silly, risky investments, um, and, and still recover from it. Um, and Maybe not even recover is the right word, but you just have the ability to do that if you so choose and not worry or feel bad about it because you're on a good track.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anything else you can think yeah. of along that, the the benefits of saving a lot, Rochelle?
0: I mean, there's so many. I think we covered a lot of them. Agreed. I don't know. I feel like just like the the feeling of financial security and a lower anxiety level, even like when you take it out of work or whatever, just lower anxiety level at home. And I think one of the things that's really helpful when you do have extra cash flow is being able to to offload a few things and you know, have someone else help you out at home, maybe, or, you know, that kind of stuff can, can definitely help with anxiety too. But For sure. obviously, obviously having more money is, <laughs> it, it opens a lot of doors. It's not everything, but it opens a lot of doors.
1: For sure. Yeah. yeah. Now for some numbers for some of you who are trying to think about how long is it going to take me to achieve financial independence? I'm kind of a numbers guy, um, but we'll, we'll we'll try not to get too bogged down in details here and just focus on the big picture stuff. But, um, you know, looking at some different savings rates, hypothetically, let's just say you've got someone making 250000 a year. Um, you know let's let's pretend it's a doctor with a stay-at-home spouse and uh, married filing jointly maybe a couple kids whatever Uh, tax rates are gonna vary of course based on where you live circumstances are you a w-2 employee independent contractor own your own practice but let's just say your effective tax rate is about 25% between federal and state now some of you might be thinking that seems low but Really, with all the deductions and credits that, that you get, y- your effective tax rate is going to be likely a lot lower than your marginal tax rate. And mm-hmm. while, yes, you guys are all paying a lot in taxes when you're attendings, um, you're probably, as a percentage of income, you're probably paying a little less than you think when you actually look at your tax return and look at all the taxes you pay. Um, it's a lot, but but as a percentage, it might be less than, than, than you think. Um, Of course, it varies by circumstances. If you include your social security and Medicare taxes, that'll add a little bit. But you know, when it's all said and done, between all all the tax sources, say you're paying about eighty thousand in taxes at a two hundred fifty thousand dollar income level, that leaves you with about one hundred seventy thousand to either spend or save, or combination. Combination, yeah. So, you know, ran a number of calculations using different assumptions on returns and inflation, and and you know, none of it's going to be linear. You know, it's going to be different for everyone. But you know, just to keep things simple, we'll we'll just go with kind of a blended average of everything that I did. So, hypothetically, let's say you save ten percent of your income um, for retirement purposes. So that'd be twenty five thousand a year of a two hundred fifty k income, which means if you're spending the rest, you have 145000 a year of expenses, around 12000 a month. And if we just, again, to keep things simple, if we want to plan on spending 145000 a year for the rest of our life, you know, when we're in retirement, sure, kids are out of the house, mortgages paid off, um, student loans are hopefully gone by then. <laughs> But uh, maybe we, maybe we replace those expenses with more travel or healthcare costs are higher whatever. Just again, keeping things simple for this exercise. So if you need to plan on twelve thousand a month of of spending in retirement, um, you need about four million dollars in today dollars to be financially independent. Uh, depending on what taxes are in retirement, could be more, could be less. Um, and so within these estimates, we've already factored inflation into the equation. So we'll just talk in today dollars. But uh, if you need 4000000 million, you're saving 10% of your income, 25000 a year. It's going to take you about 40 to 50 years to get there. So about 45 years for a round number. If you're starting practice in your early 30s, that means you're not retiring until your mid-70s. In reality, there's other factors that will be there. Like if your employer contributes money to your retirement account, um, you know you'll get there quicker. If if you're not retiring until your mid 70s, you know you're not going to be needing to pay for as long a- of a retirement as someone who's retiring in their 50s. So you don't need the money to last as long. So maybe it doesn't take you a full 45 years to get there. Maybe we can get there in our late 60s or early 70s. But you know, again the, the point is that you know it, it'll take a little while to get there that 10% um, you know of your income that you often see recommended for, for people that that assumes that you uh, you start saving in your early 20s and yeah if it takes 40 45 years to get to financial independence you're retiring in your early to mid 60s late 60s at the latest which is kind of you know on par for the course for for what most people, Um, You know in America would be shooting for and social security if you're a lower income earner social security will play a larger role in your retirement uh, nest egg than higher income earners um, and higher spenders. So, you know, for 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 a more typical average American, they might get there sooner Um, But anyways again (laughs) Trying to trying to avoid getting too bogged down in the weeds here But saving ten percent of your income is gonna take you a while probably not retiring until your late 60s or 70s realistically
0: Yeah, I do think that Social Security piece is a big thing to understand and how that plays into calculations where people build in assumptions that 10 percent is enough. It's like, you know, your your Social Security income has a cap. You can't supplement the same percentage of your income that someone making 70 or 80 thousand dollars a year can. So, you know, when you're well above that Social Security cap, it just is a smaller percentage of what you can rely on in retirement. The other thing about Social Security is that we're not funding it at a level that it's going to be maintained long term the way that it is now. Like it, there will likely be I'm, I'm assuming let's not assume, but I'm assuming <laughs> that there will be some level of Social Security like when we get to retirement age. But it's not going to look the same for people who are in their 30s and 40s as it does for people who are on Social Security right now in their 70s and 80s. It's just not. Or at least unless something changes dramatically, it's not going to be there at the same level that it is right now. So that that's one thing that that just makes it more and more important that you're relying on your savings rate more to make this happen.
1: And getting lucky and picking the right investments that do really well um, over time, you know, sure it'll help a little bit, but you know, it's still going to take a while. Uh, only saving ten percent of your earnings to, you know, be able to to cover that spending need in retirement. Mm-hmm. Now what if we save 20% of our income? Like, you know, our default recommendation is for a good starting point for people. Um, you know, if you if that'd be about 50,000 a year saved at a 250k income level, meaning 120,000 a year of expenses. Again, going back to the tax assumptions, we had a, about 170,000 left after taxes, so Fifty thousand of that goes to the retirement, hundred twenty thousand left for for spending, about ten thousand a month. So if you only need to cover a ten thousand a month spending level instead of a twelve thousand a month spending level in retirement, you don't need quite as much to be financially independent. So instead of needing four million, you only need about three and a half million in today dollars to get to that point. So it's only going to take about thirty to thirty-five years to get there. And that's why we recommend that 20% number. If you're starting in your early 30s, where most physicians enter practice, and you start saving for retirement at that point, if you can save 20% of your income, that'll put you on a pretty good track to retire by your early to mid 60s, um, you know, which is normal retirement age for, for most people. I think the average in America is like 62 or 63 that people retire. Um, and uh, so yeah, that 20% mark is a good a good minimum benchmark to ultimately get to where you want to go.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, I think when we are in a situation where we're getting a lot of contributions from employers and things like that, that does make this picture a little bit rosier. So if you're saving 20% of your gross income for retirement, and then everything that your employer puts in is on top of that, and you know any social security benefit you may get is on top of that, then you're going to be in a pretty good position longer term. It may not take you that 30 to 35 years, but it is It is good to focus in on the things that you can control a little bit. I think, I mean, we can take it a little bit further and just start to assume that people save a little bit more. If you're in a good position to do that, I think the one big trend here is that when you are saving more, you are spending less. So you have less to replicate in retirement. So when you get there, you don't need as much income in retirement either. So both of those things are working for you. So if you save 30% of your $250,000 salary, that's $75,000 per year. And now we're only living on $8,000 per month. Like that's your your expenses each month. Um, so that means you need a lower amount when you get to retirement to be able to replicate your lifestyle and you get there faster. So in that case, maybe it takes about 22 years or so to get to to where you have enough saved to replicate your lifestyle and be retired. So 30 percent, 20 to 25 years without thinking about any employer contributions without thinking about Social Security. I think that one gets to the point where it's even more important because you can't get to Social Security until you're at least 62, but likely a little bit later if you want to have a, a larger benefit amount. So when you're getting to that point where you may retire early, it's more and more important that we're only depending on on what you're saving and what you have accessible to you. So, um. Yeah. I was gonna say
1: for most doctors, if, if at a, a doctor level income, if you're saving thirty percent of your income, you probably don't care too much about what social security amounts to at that point. Like you're just you're on the fast track to get to where you want to mm-hmm. go. And social yeah. security is relatively irrelevant. You know, it's just little icing on top of the cake if uh, if and when you you start pulling from it. Absolutely. Now what about the over over achievers? Let's say you're saving 40% of your income. So, 100,000 a year out of your $250,000 salary, which means you're only spending about 6,000 a month so you're living pretty frugally. But six thousand a month—that's like double the lifestyle you were living as a resident. So you know, it's it's more than six thousand a month after taxes. That's more than the average American earns before taxes. So you're still living a, a comfortable lifestyle by almost every standard in the world. Um, yeah, you know, probably less than a typical doctor would be living on, though, for sure. But if if you only need to cover that level of 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 spending in retirement, you might only need about two and a quarter million to be financially independent. And if you're saving a hundred thousand a year, you're gonna get there in about sixteen years, give or take. You know, even if your investment returns are absolutely horrific and just <laughs> Barely outpace inflation, or, or you know, let's just say they mirror inflation. If you just mirror inflation with your investments, which historically is like a half bond, half cash portfolio, it's only going to take you 22 and a half years to get there. So if you start at that savings rate in your early 30s, you know, you're retired by your early 50s. Like it's, um, you know, realistically probably more like your mid 40s if if you're on that track. And uh, kind of gets back to that initial quote, if you save a lot and your investments are awful, <laughs> you, you can still make some financial mistakes and fall ass backwards into mm-hmm. financial independence. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think, you know, we we're making some rather modest assumptions about income. There are plenty of you out there that will make a lot more than $250,000 per year as a household. So just like one quick example for for folks that may be making more is if, you know, you are making $500,000 per year in gross income, we have to assume that inflation or not inflation, but taxes are are going to take a bigger chunk out of your pay at that point. So maybe you pay $200,000 in taxes all in, which sounds painful, but that still leaves you $300,000 to save and spend. And if you save 40% 40% of that, that's $200,000 per year. It still leaves you $100,000 per year for your expenses, which is more than double, but you had an income as a resident. And you know it might only take you like 12 years to get there, maybe somewhere between like 10 and 15, but you don't have to work very long before you get to that financial independence point. And again, that doesn't mean that you have to quit when you get there. It just means that like when you do get to that point when you're financially independent, you can do whatever you want. You know, you can work part-time if you want. You can just do some like moonlighting for lack of a better word and and just travel six months of the year. Like obviously we can't dramatically increase our spending because that's gonna make a big difference on like what the projections look like but you have so much flexibility at that point.
1: Well, if you are uh, still earning some income mm-hmm. and not drawing from your nest egg you you, you could yeah. increase your spending you know yeah, you have, mm-hmm. you, you've got the retirement stuff i mean heck that could even put you in a point to if you want to scale back sooner you know you got the retirement nest egg locked up and and just let it run for another 10 15 20 years while you work part-time or do locums one week a month you know just enough to cover some of your living expenses um Change careers, just do something, that earns a little bit of income, uh, or you could just keep the foot on the gas pedal, create some generational wealth for kids, grandkids. Maybe you're charitably inclined and you build a, a big charitable foundation. I mean, so many possibilities if you save a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I, I think that's one thing that we don't talk about enough. Honestly, it's just. You know, if you don't want to spend money, if you just want to save and keep saving for the sake of saving and investing for the sake of investing, that gives you a a lot of power to be able to affect things for your family and and maybe for the world to a certain extent. Like if there's things that you really care about, you can put your money towards those causes.
1: Yeah. Warren Buffett said getting money or making money never gets old. So. he's clearly financially independent, um, but he's still going at it in his nineties and doing all right for himself. So uh, so for some people, it's almost like a game. It's fun. It's enjoyable to see that. And isn't he
0: still like living in a house in the burbs and like,
1: (laughs) yeah, he's been in the same house for over 50 years and uh, hasn't upgraded or changed. Um, I think he's, he maybe has like added some, some arbs and a fence around it to keep, Onlookers from from peering in, <laughs> but that's about it.
0: <laughs> Maybe some private security.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know we got uh, a while back. He bought or his company bought a private jet so that he could travel a little more uh, comfortably and easily and and navigate the world as in his older age, that that was their, their big splurge. I guess once you're, you're worth in the tens of billions, you know, a a jet is an acceptable expense.
0: Yep. Probably.
1: Yeah. Justifiable.
0: (laughs) Anyway, we digress. (laughs) I think, you know, bottom line, your investments, um, they can be irrelevant if you're saving a lot. Like, obviously it it still matters to a certain extent, but what matters more is how much you're saving. And also like the accounts that you invest in, Like obviously we want to take advantage of any tax advantages that you have, but it's not going to matter that much if you saved a whole bunch. Um, Expenses, again, not going to matter a whole bunch if you saved a lot. So there's a lot of things that we can't control, but there's other things that we can. So, you know, the more you can save the better.
1: Well, I think, you know, to reiterate on the investment side of it, all the, you know, financial hoopla revolves around what are the right investments what are the optimal investments you know all the magazines and newsletters you know top stocks for this year top mutual funds etc who's got the best performance it's all about picking the best performing things but in reality like even if you pick the best performing investments on the planet um, if you're not saving a lot it, it's still gonna take you a while to ultimately get there and uh, you, know, you really need to, to to save a healthy amount. Sure, if you pick some good investments, it'll help get you there a little quicker um, than if you pick some poor investments. But you know, you still got to save a lot. You know, looking at the numbers, you know, saving like we said, saving forty percent of your income, even if your investments are terrible, you're still getting to financial independence in you know under twenty years, most likely. Um, whereas if you save 10% of your income, even if your investments are fantastic, it's still probably taking you 30, 35 years to get there. So, you know, the investment returns can only go so far. You, you, you gotta pour some more gas on the fire to keep it burning.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's a certain amount that we can assume is related to like your, how you're investing and the choices that you make and performance and expenses, but it's a very, very small percentage. And then you have a little bit of a larger percentage that's luck, <laughs> you know, like the things that you can't control at all, not even a tiny bit. But, you know, the biggest percentage of it is definitely like, what are you saving? What are you spending? That's going to be the biggest driver of how successful you can be long term.
1: Yes, Moral of the story, save a lot.
0: <laughs> Hope you can.
1: Yeah. It's easier said than done, of course. And we you're just <laughs> running spreadsheet calculations, you know, reality. You gotta pay for housing. You gotta feed your kids and like, you know, if you have two student loans. work, send them to school. Yeah, pay off student loans. I mean, there like there's there's some expenses, you know, for some of you. Like you just gotta spend money you know that first decade of your career to you know get out of a hole and um, you know but again the, the more you can keep your living expenses modest buy a more modest house drive a modest car prioritize saving don't go out to the fancy dinners very often or take the fancy vacations very often take them sometimes but you know mod- you know uh, in moderation and uh, prioritizing savings will will get you where to get you to where you want to go in due time
0: thank you for listening everyone
1: yep talk to you next time
0: we would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover you can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following finity group on facebook twitter instagram linkedin and youtube at finity group llc
1: you can follow me on twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance, or on Instagram, Vandersan Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vandersan. Check
1: out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.